Amen. Well, we are going to get up and running today with the Word of God. I have Pastor Michael Quinlan is going to be delivering that message today. Uh, he's going to be wrapping up our series on royalty, and uh, we're looking forward to it. So, Michael, Pastor Michael, it is all yours. Hey. Good morning. How's everyone? Oh, good answer. There's always that one guy like, well, let me tell you. I have a couple announcements to add. I'm gonna just, I was going to add the announcements at the end, but I'll say them right now. Um, Remembrance Day service, we're going to do a normal service like we do next week, but we're going to do a special honoring of veterans and active military from Canada and its allies. So uh, this is a great way to invite people who wouldn't normally come to church uh, because um, veterans lived a life, a lot of them, their life feels like a lifetime ago. And so when you allow uh, them to be honored and remembered, it's really uh, a nice thing that, um, it's good for us because we're able to see the people who've done things for us that we uh, have had the, haven't had to do um, because of the sacrifice they've made, but it also allows them to realize that usually a huge part of their life is valued and it's not forgotten. So um, we are gonna have a special um, honoring. We're gonna be sending out some flowers and cards to the legions in the area um, from the congregation, inviting people to church and thanking them for their service. Um, so if you have veterans or active duty military in your life, uh, next Sunday would be a great Sunday to invite them so that we can love on them and honor them. And also there's poppies available at the back uh, desk, which all that money is going to the legion. So throw a couple bucks in there, grab yourself a poppy. Um, that's all going to the legion and we're gonna throw some money in there too from the church for the Legion to support the veterans. And uh, we did a couple of vet, uh, Legion visits uh, this week and last week, and uh, they're so touched that a church is coming into the Legion. And so, um, anyways, I won't go on and on because we don't have time for that. But next week, veterans and Legionnaires and uh, military supporters, next week is a great week to bring them out. Um, also, Mission trip is coming up. I know February seems far away, but we need deposits by December, and I really want to hear from people. If, they're, if they know for a fact, if they know, no, no, they're already going, they got the money ready to go, um, that's for February 20th, but we need the deposits by December 1st. So uh, come talk to me as soon as possible. Next Sunday is my last Sunday for a couple weeks. I'm going back over to Uganda to do a little project and also to prepare the mission trip for the people who are going. So. Please, if you know for sure you're coming and you say, I'm in like Flynn and we're going, then let me know and I will take it off. And my last announcement before I get into the message, um, and this is actually kind of a cool thing, is that ministries around uh, Windsor are starting to find out about I-9 Church. Um, we're, not, uh, we're not so fringy anymore. And so I got a phone call to come and see what uh, Matthew House, which is a refugee, a faith-based refugee um, center in Windsor, in Forest Glade, and they called me and said, Pastor Mike, we want you to come see what we're doing for the kingdom, and we want to know how, how we can build the kingdom with you guys. So I went and had a great day with them, and, uh, and so we were talking about how can we practically start helping the refugees, because, you know, the Bible talks about that in Matthew when it says, you know, I was a stranger and you welcomed me, amen? And obviously, I leave the politics of the refugees and immigration and all that, I leave the politics to the politics politicians. As a pastor and as a member of the church, my job is to love people. And so I leave the politics to them, and my job is to love on people. And so what I realized is that they live for a very short period of time at Matthew House, and then once they are approved refugee status, they are able to get an apartment. But what happens is they are able to get an apartment, but there's no one there to help them, and it's hard for them to get a truck. And so I talked to the director there, and uh, and he said, well, we need people and we need a truck. And I said, well, I will bring people and I will find a truck. And so I called Windsor Lifeline Outreach. We helped them just recently with their drive. And I said, hey, I need you to help me now. I need a truck to help some refugees. And he said, I'll bring a truck. And so I-9 Church is going to be helping move people from Matthew House with trucks from Windsor Lifeline Outreach. And it's almost like the kingdom is being built by lots of different people and everyone's getting involved, amen? It's almost like the things we said at the beginning are starting to happen. So, I said it by faith that I need people, because right now it's just me. 
So if I, it's not going to be a lot. It's, they told me it's going to be a couple hours on Tuesday. So if you're free and able-bodied and you're able to help me out for three or four hours uh, in Forest Glade on Tuesday, just come talk to me after service. I just need two or three people. I'll buy you coffee. Praise God. All right. Let's get into the message. Talk to me after about all my announcements. Okay. Um, God is good. And all the time, and that is his nature. You know, I say that before I say everything, because if you don't get that, most of what I said doesn't mean, mean very much. I always start the message telling you about God's goodness. And um, it's really interesting because sometimes God's goodness kind of gets pushed aside um, for all of the other things that we think about God's power, we think of God's judgment, we think of God's sovereignty, we think of God's omnipresence, we think of God's omnipotence, we think of, of God's you know, love, and we think of all of the different things about God's goodness. But you know, um, I was doing a Bible study and I was talking to Pastor Brian and Pastor Shea about this the other day. And what's really cool is you know, there's the story in Exodus 33 where Moses is, is standing there and he's talking to God and he says, God, show me your glory. And God answers him, he says, I will pass by you and I will show you my goodness and I will be merciful and gracious to you. You understand that when Moses asked God to show him his glory, God responded that his glory would be shown to him through goodness. And sometimes when we think about that moment where we think of Moses on the mountain and we think, God, show me your glory, we think of this power and this tornado and this, this fire and this smoke and we think of all these things, but when, God, when Moses asked God to show him his glory, God told him he would show him his goodness. You understand that God is glorified in the goodness that he gives out to his children. He is, his mercy and his graciousness is his glory being poured out onto people. We sing, show me your glory, and it's like, yes, he shows us his glory by showing us his goodness. You know, the Bible says that he passed by Moses on the mountain. And then what you see really interesting is that there's a story where Elijah is in a cave and he's hiding from Jezebel and he's, he's afraid and it says that there was the hurricanes and there's the storms and, and if you look at it back in the Hebrew, it says in that God passed by the cave. And then what's really interesting is that you see in, in, in the New Testament, you see that when Jesus was there, it says, and Jesus passed by the crowd. He passed by the woman with the bloodletting. It says that when on, in Mark 6, when the disciples were in a storm and they were going in against, against a, a prevailing wind, it says that Jesus walked on the water and he intended to pass them by. And you understand that when we think of pass that by, what we think of is if I pass someone by in, in the mall, we kind of think like, oh, there he goes. You know what I mean? And we kind of think of it like in a way that it's not, um, it's not like a nice thing. But really, the, it's, it's hard to translate what it really means in the Bible when it says pass by. The easiest way to really say it is revealed himself. You understand that they were going through a storm and Jesus revealed himself on the water. Elijah was hiding in a cave and the glory of God revealed itself to Elijah. Moses was talking to God, begging for his presence and God revealed himself through his goodness. You understand that when Jesus came on the earth, it was God revealing his goodness and his mercy and his graciousness towards people. God passed by the, the lost and the forsaken and the people that needed him most, God passed him by through his son Jesus. And when God passed by Moses, he said, I have to hide you because if you saw my goodness, if you saw my glory, no one would be alive. But when he sent Jesus, both in the spirit and in the flesh, it was the revelation, it was the delivery of God's glory and equally his goodness to people. Are you with me? When we say, God, show me your glory, God said, I sent you my son, I showed you my glory by showing you my goodness. And I say that it is his nature that he is good because everything else I have to say, if you don't understand that God is glorified in being merciful and gracious to you, he is glorified in being good to you, his glory is most shown to the world through the church when they show the goodness and the love of God to others. The reason why I'm talking about that is because we have this situation where 
um, the idea of salvation has always been confusing to people, and I'm excited to talk about bloodlines and the royalty because a lot of times in the church, you know, I, I, we like to call it Christianese, where, you know, people say some stuff that if it's your first day in church, it can be horrifying, you know, like, oh, I'm covered by the blood. It's like, what is it, Halloween all year in this place, you know? And you say, uh, the blood of God is here, the blood of God is there, and, and if you don't understand what we're talking about, if you don't understand the value in the blood of God, what you're, it's kind of like a little unsettling, you know what I'm saying? And so when you understand that God's good and his glory is his goodness and that his goodness was poured out for us by Jesus coming down and passing by humanity and then not only revealing himself, but then also dying and then being buried and then raising again and then, allow, and then coming back to life that we might have that life, that is God's glory revealed out on the earth. That is the ultimate goodness. And that's why I always tell you, God's good all the time because it's his nature. When you ask God for his glory, he shows you his glory best by reminding you of his goodness. You with me? Let's get into the message. <laughs> John 3, that wasn't the message? I know, I'm, I'm that guy, man. I had to say it now because I'll say it later and then everybody will lo I'll lose everybody. Let's get into the message. John 3. Verse one to six, now there was a man of the Pharisees, these are the religious teachers named Nicodemus, and he was a ruler of the Jews. He's a high-ranking Pharisee. The man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now Nicodemus, being a really smart and, and, and uh, upstanding citizen, said to Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Hilarious line, by the way, super underrated. Nicodemus was quick-witted. That's what I would have said at that time. Born again, this guy never read a science book. <laughs> Jesus answered, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the king of God, kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So what Jesus was saying is, is that you don't need to be born again in the flesh, you've been born in the flesh. That part is accomplished, and we can all see each other right now in the flesh, you have all been born. I guarantee you, if there's anything I know in this world, is that everybody in this building was born already, okay? But the Bible says that that which is born of spirit is spirit. What does that mean? It means that when you are born in the flesh, the spirit has not yet been born. The spirit is born through salvation, through Jesus. Now, can I tell you, I was in Africa for a while, and when I was in Uganda, one of my biggest things was correcting theology because they don't always have access to all of the uh, doctrine and YouTube and all of these different things. And so a lot of times I would meet with pastors and I would just talk to them and go, you know, that's a really nice idea, but that's not good theology. That's not actually what the Bible says. Sometimes it feels nice, but it doesn't make sense. And, uh, and then when I came back to Canada, I realized that happens here a lot too. <laughs> that there's people that say things that sound nice and they make me feel good to hear, but it's not biblical. And so really what I want to do is I want to dive into what is salvation really? How does that actually look like in the life of the believer? And some of the things that we may have heard of that sound really nice are not always true, but that's a good thing, okay? So I wanna point out, or my first point in, into, my first point of the message, if you keep notes, is that uh, you're not adopted into royalty, you're born into it. Now, I realized through study that recently the royal family has made some changes to allow things for adoption. But up until like six seconds ago, <laughs> there was something called a royal bloodline and that you had to be born to within a certain lineage, within different royal families around the world for pretty much forever. We even see this in the Old Testament where God made a promise with Abraham and he made that promise and that covenant with the seed of Abraham to the point where people recognize God by the bloodline of Abraham. He said, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You understand there was a lineage promise. And so the Bible talks about that the lineage of Abraham was the lineage of promise. And that's really where we see the Jewish people. Now the Jewish people 
are the chosen people of God. They have the original promise with God through the seed of Abraham. However, the Bible tells us that when Jesus came onto the seed, the covenant of Abraham was prophetically released through the seed of Jesus. That that which was through Abraham was through the law and through a covenant, but that which was from Jesus was salvation, and it says that it was for all of the earth. We see many parables where he talks about, I came first to the Jew, and then I came to the Gentile. Amen? Praise God. That's why we see disciples. Some of them went to the Jews and some of them went to the Gentiles because the Bible says that none can get to the Father except through me. However, there's royal bloodlines. Now, I say that there's a royal bloodline and you'll see in the Bible a lot of times we, they talk about adoption. And adoption is really the closest thing that we as humans can try to relate to bringing someone from outside of the family into the family. Adoption is one of the most beautiful things that we have in society. It is one of the closest ways that we can really replicate uh, um, salvation and going from slave to child or being servant to child or being orphan to child is by taking someone from outside and bringing them in. <clears throat> but salvation is not really adoption because adoption does not really get you in the bloodline. It gets you in the house gets you in the family, it gets you in the love, it gets you in all of that stuff. But salvation goes beyond adoption because salvation is a blood transfusion. Are you with me? You cannot be adopted into royalty, you're born into it. Now 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says this, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, behold the new has come, okay? So when it says it's a new creation, what it's saying is that it is the birth of the spirit inside of you. So when Jesus said that that which is born of flesh is flesh, that is the first birth. But that which is born of spirit is spirit. What is that? That is being born again. The new creation is the new creation of the spirit that is birthed inside of you through, the, through what Jesus did on the cross those 2,000 years ago. <coughs> now, why do I say that? Because you have to understand that sometimes we use new creation and we, we devalue it to make it easier for us to understand and comprehend, okay? What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that I've heard over and over again people have talked about that he takes the broken pieces and he puts them back together again. Or he takes that which is broken and he puts it together and makes it better than it was before. You know, or it's, it's, he takes the one version of you and he makes you the best version that you are intended to be. All of these things are super nice and they make me feel really good when I hear it. But it's a terrible theology <laughs> because new creation is not repairing old and broken things. New creation is a new birth. And the reason why I say that is because it is one way that we can explain to people that God put my life back together. Yes, he did. But he put your life back together, but he didn't put you back together. He birthed something new. And the reason why is, is, you know, is that we sometimes, we, we try to basically say that when God came into my life, he changed me. And it's like, no, no, he birthed something in you. And the thing that he birthed inside of you is changing you. He birthed the spirit inside of you. He birthed the Holy Spirit inside of you. And when you put the Holy Spirit inside of a temple, the temple starts to change. Are you with me? He said to the Pharisees, he said, you guys are clean on the outside, but you're dirty on the inside. Well, these guys' life was put together, but there was nothing in the temple. And so when it says that you're born again, what it's saying is, is that the spirit is born inside of you, and the spirit inside of you manifests itself in such a way that your life starts to come back together again, because there's something born inside of you that's affecting everything else about your life. Are you with me? God didn't wash the temple, he put his spirit inside of the temple and the temple became the righteousness of Christ and the temple became way better because it's not an empty temple anymore, it has Christ, it has the spirit of God living inside of it. It is a new creation. You understand that one thing I was listening to one time was, I thought it was so good, he says, you understand that the born again believer is the only thing in, you, in the universe right now that exists in both the supernatural realm and in the natural realm. 
You have the heavenlies, you have the angels of hosts, you have that in the supernatural. And then you have the flesh in the natural, but as a born again believer, you exist in the flesh on this earth, but the spirit is born inside of you that you are walking in both realms at the same period of time. I know this is super uh, church nerdiness that's coming out, okay? But you have to understand that there's something so much bigger going on than just God cleaning up the temple and making you look better and making you feel better. It's so much more than that because it's something new that happened inside of you. In Isaiah 64, praise God. In Isaiah 64, verse eight, but now, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay and you are our potter, we are all the work of your hand. Do you know that when you take clay and you break it, they don't take the pottery and glue it back together? The potter melts down the clay and he makes it again. And when you understand that, because like I said, I'm not bashing anybody, but these, you have to understand that the idea of being born again is bigger than being fixed. It's bigger than being recovered. It's bigger than being rehabilitated. It's bigger than being mended. It's that you literally are brand new. Something that did not exist before now exists inside of you and the flesh that is dying is now the temple of the spirit that lives eternally. Are you with me? And so when we talk about, you know, listen, I'm not trying to devalue anyone's testimony. I've got a testimony, I, I work with so many amazing people that have amazing testimonies. Can I tell you something? God doesn't care about your testimony. Your testimony is for the world because they can't understand why the temple is looking the way it does. Your testimony is the way that you explain to the world a supernatural concept. Your testimony is literally your grasp. It is your parable telling of what Jesus did inside of you. But God doesn't know you by your testimony. He knows you by your sonship. He doesn't know you by where you came from. He knows you by where you're going. He doesn't care about your testimony. God is not impressed by how spotless your testimony is or by difficult your testimony is. Your testimony is for the world because that is how people can see why the temple is different is because, oh, this is what Christ did in my life and this is why I am where I am. But God does not go, wow, look, there's my guy who used to be a drug addict. No, he goes, there's my daughter. There's my son. And the reason why you have to understand that is because sometimes we try to identify with our scars and we try to identify with our testimony and we try to identify with where we came from. Now listen, use that to be relevant to the world, but that's just a parable at this point in time because that person is old and gone. The Bible says for the old has passed away. It's no longer relevant to the Lord where you came from. The mistakes that you have in your life are no longer really, the Bible says that he, that his, as far as the east is from the west, so is his memory of, of the sin, you understand? Because why? He only accepts perfect, and he only accepts perfect through Jesus, and he only accepts perfect through Jesus through the bloodline, and so he only accepts perfect through Jesus through the bloodline of Christ, which is accessed by the Spirit, and so he only accepts perfect through Jesus, by the bloodline that was birthed in the spirit that is the new creation inside of you. Are you with me? Listen, I, I know that it's a super, it sounds like a super amazingly complicated thing, but we have to really have a perfect understanding of what God did inside of us because then everything else, everything else makes sense. Why? Because when the devil comes to talk to you in those desert days, he does not talk about the spirit that was birthed inside of you. He talks about what the temple used to look like. And he makes you second guess what happened. And then he, he reminds you about your testimony. But here's the thing, when you realize your testimony is not for the devil and your testimony is not for God, that your testimony is just a parable that people can understand because they have no concept of what happens when the spirit's birthed inside of you because they don't have that. When they realize, it's like, hey, no, this is my testimony, but really the end of every testimony is, and I'm a new creation, and everything else doesn't matter anymore. 
So however good your testimony is, however long it is, however big it is, however sad it is, however hard it is, that is amazing for the world because that allows you to relate to people, but that doesn't really allow you to relate to God because he doesn't know you from your past and your history and your testimony. He knows you through your bloodline. You're in the family. In Galatians 4, verse 7, I love that we did no longer slaves. I didn't even tell the worship team. They're just so good. Spirit's just moving. They put it on the list. You're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Now, that's actually kind of a scary thing. Can I be honest with you? Being an heir of God means two things. One, the Bible says that it allows us to be an heir to promise and an heir to inheritance, but it also says that we will be an heir to suffering, that we will also suffer like Christ suffered. Now, here's the thing. When you realize that you're in a royal bloodline, you're not really that upset about the suffering because you know that you're still an heir to the inheritance. And sometimes we try to sell the bloodline of the inheritance but then when people ha come into the bloodline, they're not ready for the suffering that comes in being a child of God. And you have to really look at the two and realize that it costs you something. The Bible talks about that doesn't a man count the cost. What does it say to the Christian? To take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. You understand that there's suffering there, but here's the thing. That Paul talked about that I'm identified with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that I'm identified with Christ with his suffering. I identify, I identify. Pastor Brian and Pastor Brian, <laughs> Brian, we gotta get some nicknames or something, BC and BT. They were talking about having a tainted identity. And I think sometimes we have a tainted identity where we think we are just inheriting suffering and that the blessings aren't for us. And then on the other hand, sometimes we come into, come into Christ, we come into the church, and we are here to inherit promise, and then when suffering comes, it allows us to question whether we're even in the family. But being in the family of Christ, you're an heir to the promise of the life to come, and the blessings, and all of those things all of the Abrahamic covenant, it says I will bless you and I will curse those who curse you, I will bless those who bless you and, my, and that your seed will live on, that, that the promise goes for the generation to generation to generation, that there is a eternal covenant that he makes that we have access to through Jesus. But also, that means that we're gonna have things that we're gonna go through. But here's the thing, when you understand that you have a royal bloodline, when you understand that you are a son of God and a daughter of God, that you are an heir, then when you have the suffering, you're not super upset about the suffering because you realize that the suffering is coming because you're part of a royal bloodline. And when the rewards and the blessings come, you don't feel bad or you don't feel unworthy or you don't feel like you're, you're not enough because you realize that the blessings is because you're part of a royal bloodline. I'll let you think about that just for a second. So my first point, you're not adopted into royalty when the new creation is born, when the spirit is born, you are born into royalty. And all of the things that come with that is yours to go through, yours to enjoy, <laughs> and yours to battle, <laughs> praise God. I'm just being really realistic with you. Because I've heard, you know, sometimes there are, in, you know, I love Feel good messages as much as anybody, but you have to understand that we identify with Christ both in the inheritance of salvation and in the blessings that we are able to access in this lifetime through our Father God. Bible says to enter boldly into the throne room of grace where he gives liberally to those who love him, but it also says that we are an heir into the suffering, that we will deny ourselves, but it tells us that it is nothing in comparison to the weight of the glory that waits for us on the other side, amen? Praise God. So, you're not adopted, you're born into it. So what does that mean? It means that there is a new bloodline, there is a new Adam, and there is a new DNA. What do I mean by a new bloodline, a new Adam, a new DNA? Bloodline, you now are no longer, it is no longer the bloodline of the flesh which dictates your identity. That's old and passed away. 
You are only merely a temple of the new and the greater bloodline that flows through your veins through Jesus. You are no longer a slave, but you are a son and an heir, not by adoption, not by fostering, not because you slid in the back door, not because you lived there long enough, you got squatter rights. You are there because you are, you are a son and a daughter and it is your place to live there, to go through both the good and both the bad. And finally, that you are, have a new DNA. In 1 Corinthians 15, 45, Paul writes to the church, thus it's written, the first man, Adam, was a living being, the flesh. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. You understand that you are a son of Adam, you are a daughter of Adam when you are born in this earth, but when you accept Christ, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. When that happens, when the spirit, what happens in that moment is that you are no longer a son or daughter of Adam, you are now a son or daughter of God through the man Christ Jesus. That is what happens. That is the simplicity of the gospel is that if you believe and confess that Jesus Christ died for your sins and he rose up again and you believe that and you identify with that and you, ta- and you declare that that is what you believe in, that it, in that moment the Bible says your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And do you know what that Lamb's book of life I like to call? I call that the family retreat invitational, okay? <laughs> That is the list of people that need to get an invitation at the end of their life that they have to come to the family gathering. Jesus said to the disciples, my father has a house with many rooms. His many rooms are for his many children. He doesn't have specific rooms for people with specific testimonies. He doesn't have specific rooms for people from different countries. He doesn't have specific rooms for for men, for women. He doesn't have specific rooms for anybody. He has specific rooms for his children. And that comes from the bloodline, that comes from a new Adam that replaced the first Adam of sin, is a new Adam that's born of spirit, being the man Christ Jesus, and that comes from a new DNA. Your flesh is gonna look like Adam. You know, sometimes I get sick sometimes. My kids are all at home with fevers, and they're disgusting. I didn't bring them here because I did not want the flesh of the Adam to make anybody else's Adam flesh get sick, okay? They're snotty, they're gross, I left them home, pray for them. If you're watching, be blessed, be healed, praise God. Be better when I get home. <laughs> the flesh looks like Adam. Why am I, why am I got a limp? Why is my knee, why do I got a bum knee today? Why do I don't feel good today? Why am I struggling with this? Why am I fighting against addiction? Why am I fighting against sin? Why do I keep on going back to those things? Why do those things I don't wanna do, I do, and those things I do wanna do, I don't do? Why is the spirit so willing, but the flesh is so weak? Because the spirit comes from Jesus, the flesh comes from Adam, because the spirit has way more power in it than the temple. You have to understand that sometimes the devil is gonna try to cause you to question the spirit inside of you based on the condition of the temple. Well, I call it sanctification because it is a process of purity. The Bible talks about being sanctified as being set apart. But why, what do you set apart? Well, because your temple stops looking like everybody else's temple, but that's a process. You understand, I believe that there are people where they enter, when Christ comes into their life, spirit comes into their life, and in that moment, there is amazing transformation. I've seen it, it's amazing. There are other people that walk through a long road of difficulty and suffering, and questioning, and double questioning, and relapse, and walking away, and coming back, and calling you with their problems, and not listening when you said the same thing over and over again. They're a son or daughter of Adam, but there's a spirit that was birthed inside of them. Spirit calls out to spirit. Why do you think we pray for people when we pray for people, we are praying that the spirit adjusts the temple. We are, we, are, we are laying on of hands on the flesh, but we are speaking to the spirit. We are lit, it's, it's like the flesh is gonna die. We know the flesh is gonna die. You're gonna live a certain amount of years and the flesh is gonna go, but the Bible says to fear not the man who causes the first death, but the one who causes the second death. Why? Because you know the flesh is going. And you know what? It's a good thing because your flesh is subpar. I've seen all of you, I know all of you, I see me. 
No one's made it. <laughs> Praise God. If you think you have, go for a walk. Let me know how you feel, okay? I'm telling you, nobody's made it, but the spirit inside of you has. Why? Because it is perfect. It is the righteousness of Christ. The Bible says that it's your righteousness, that your righteousness is like dirty rags to the Lord. That's how I know none of us have made it. You say, I am the most righteous. My friend, you are the most righteous and you are a dirty rag. Paul says that I am the, I am the greatest of sinners. Paul, who wrote a third of the New Testament, he said he was the greatest of sinners. It's a weird flex, okay, I understand. <laughs> I'm the greatest of sinners. Okay, Paul, challenge accepted, right? But listen, they understand that the gospel is such, the gospel is such that when Paul enters heaven, he will be welcomed by the applause of the people he martyred. Why? Because the flesh of Adam was full of sin. But the, uh, the flesh of Paul, the, Ad, uh, the Adamite flesh that he was born in was full of sin. It persecuted the church. It killed Christians. It is what scared people. But when Jesus was made alive through Paul, through his belief, he had, the trans he, had the, he had the moment on the road with Jesus. Then he went and he looked and he found the, he found the uh, Barnabas. He found the man who encouraged him and they prayed with him and he turned his life around. What happened? Something changed. But he still brought Paul's flesh with him. Paul said, lo, I have a thorn in my side and I've played three times for it to be gone. Do you know the thorn was in the flesh? The thorn was not in the spirit. Now people argue about what that thorn was. I'm happy they never told us what the thorn was because it allows us to really be like, hey, those things that are in my flesh, I have the power to pray for, but there are gonna be thorns in my flesh. There are gonna be things, but guess what? The thorns in your flesh don't follow the spirit. Paul said, it's better for you that I go. I would rather be with Jesus than here. But for your sake, I'm here. Why was Paul saying that? Because he realized his flesh was subpar. But the spirit that was made alive in him was perfect in every way. It was perfect to be invited and welcomed into the Father's house. Why do I tell you that? because sometimes we identify with where we came from. Sometimes we identify with the flesh. Sometimes we have struggles in our flesh and we try to say that that is an indication that we are not within the bloodline of Jesus. But what I would tell you, sir, ma'am, is that you have the spirit inside of you which gives you the grace and the power to wrestle with the flesh just as Jacob wrestled with God and he says after he wrestled he named him Israel because he struggles with God. You understand that walking through this earth that you are an heir to the blessing but you're also an heir to the suffering and the suffering comes from the flesh that you live in and also from the human beings that you're surrounded by. But the spirit is greater and the new creation is greater and it is what identifies you as a son or a daughter of God, both in the suffering, but also in the inheritance of salvation and eternal life. But sometimes we have struggles and the devil says, if you were a Christian, this wouldn't be happening. You understand? The disciples found themselves in storms with Jesus on the boat. Sometimes you go, why am I going through storms? Because you were created to go through storms. The Bible says that he causeth the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. But what happened? The spirit is inside of you that you are able to walk through the rain, that you are able to walk in such a way like a son or a daughter of God that you are a royal bloodline that even when you go through suffering, you don't have to be super upset about it because you know as much as I'm an heir to the difficulties of this life, so I am an heir to the treasure and the blessings of the life to come. You understand? Praise God. My first point, you're not adopted into royal, you're not adopted into royalty. You are not adopted into the family of Jesus. You are born into it. It is a new creation. It is the second birth. He does not say, look at this jar I put back together. He does not say, look at this clay I put back together. He doesn't say, look at this life I put back together. No, he says, look at my spirit, which was born inside of this person, and it's nothing that could stop the spirit from overwhelming the flesh to start to look like my child. 
You're not adopted, you're born into it. When you're born into it, it's because you have now got a new bloodline through the spirit, you are born to a new Adam, it is a new lineage, and you have a new DNA. Now, there's something really interesting about new DNA, and we're gonna put something up here in a second. Um, something that I have, I'm, I'm, I'm a Quinlan, okay? That's my last name. And my family's been around for a while. We're a lot of us in Maidstone in Essex. And do you know that there's been more than one time where I've been in a Canadian Tire or a Home Depot or some other place, and someone goes, you look like a Quinlan. And I don't know this person from Adam, okay? I go, you look like a Quinlan. Are you such and such? Go, yeah, I am a Quinlan. And you know, when I, have my, when I have my son, people go, oh, look at those Quinlans. They look exactly alike. I ain't gonna tell that to your son. I go, oh, thank God, right? That's my kid. You know, I can always find them in a crowd. They look exactly like me. Somebody else can find my kids for me. They usually do on Sunday mornings. They're like, oh, I found your child, I assume. And, uh, <clears throat> and I say that to say that your flesh looks like the flesh of Adam, but your spirit looks like Jesus. Now, I think you have a video here that we're gonna put up here while I talk. It, we don't have a video. It didn't work. Oh, man. It's okay. I had a cool video. Oh, look. It's working on the back wall. Oh, this is in there. I don't know. Nobody hurts your neck. Don't, the flesh doesn't want the flesh to hurt its neck. Praise God. The point of the video, it's okay. Don't worry about it. No stress. No stress. We're going to move along. I got to close up here. The point of the video is that there's pictures of me. There's pictures of my dad. It's not even working. Everybody look at me. Shut it off. <laughs> Everyone's focused. Well, put it on Facebook. Well, let's do that. Sarah worked very hard on it, so I don't want her to, to miss her blessing. We bless you. Praise God. Sarah works very hard on those kinds of things. So anyways, the point of the video is that there was pictures of me as a kid. There's pictures of my dad as a kid. There's pictures of my son as a kid. Now, as you would expect... We all look exactly alike, <laughs> and it's very difficult to know until maybe like we get into like me and my dad are in the 20s because my dad was rocking like a solid 1980s mustache, and I have never had the, for had the, had the misfortune, okay? But, but you can figure out who it is when you see one with an afro and a mustache. That's not me, okay? <laughs> but up until then, what you'll see is that we all look a lot alike, now, here's the thing. When I die, you could go through, you could look at like my, like my blood or whatever and, and you could take, and you could figure out the DNA through the blood. But you could also usually figure out DNA and genetics by using your two eyeballs and looking at people because DNA and genetics work in such a way that people look somewhat familiar to their parents, okay? When I go to Africa, I, it's really funny because I can go to Africa and I can see someone and go, he's from Ethiopia because high cheekbones. I say, those guys are from Rwanda. There are certain genetic features that you see from the different tribes that you can figure out where people are from. Even here, you say, that guy looks Italian. That, those guys maybe like French. You know, these people are Middle Eastern. You can see it. What is that? That's not just by chance. That's in the DNA. The DNA helps dictate what you look like. And the reason why I'm saying that is because the spirit that is birthed inside of you is not a spirit that looks like your flesh. It's a spirit that looks like the genetics it came from. It looks like Jesus. So when we say that Jesus lives inside of you, what we're saying is, is that the spirit of God lives inside of you, that the same spirit that hovered along the waters, the same spirit that, that, that inspired the writers of the Bible, the same spirit that, that, that came down onto Jesus on his baptism, that the same spirit that was there with God at the beginning of creation when they said, let us make man in our image, when that same spirit is inside of you, that the spirit inside of you is not a Pastor Luke human version of the spirit of Jesus, but it is God's spirit that came alive inside of you. And that is why when we say to speak to certain things, what we're doing is with the spirit of God is speaking through us. Why? Because it says you have become a temple of the spirit of God. And why do I say all that? Because 
when the spirit is inside of you and it looks like where it came from, when God's spirit lives inside of you, what that means is that the temple is gonna start looking more like God. It might not happen overnight, but the sanctification process is such that the things inside of you are doing something, that the things on the outside of you should be changing in such a way that the temple should start to look more like the spirit that it's full of. Are you with me? It's a process. There are people that move a lot quicker, and there's people that move a lot slower. But you gotta understand something, that Jesus, in the same chapter when he told Peter that he was the rock he was gonna build his church on, in the same chapter, he called him devil and told him to get behind him, okay? Why? Because their sanctification is a process, okay? But the whole point of it is such that you have to understand that your life should start to look like the spirit that lives inside of you you should start to look more like Jesus because that is the DNA that is birthed inside of you. Ephesians 5 verse one says this, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Do you know what he's trying to say? Look like your dad. 1 Corinthians 11:1. 1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Do you know what Paul was saying? I'm your older brother, look like me, because I'm starting to look more like Jesus. 1 Peter 1.16, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. What was he trying to say? The spirit that lives inside of you shall be changing your flesh to look more like the God that you came from more than the man you were born from. I would tell you, sir, you might have, you might be, you might say I'm a third generation drug addict. Good for you. The flesh that you have is a third generation drug addict. But when the spirit comes inside of you, you are no longer a third generation anything. You are a first generation son or daughter of God. Are you with me? You might say, my dad did that, my mom did that, I came from an abusive family, my dad was abused, my father, good for you, your flesh was abused. That's a testimony that you can take with you to tell somebody else about what God did because you no longer became an abuser because you were abused, why? Because the spirit of God, you identify more with the spirit of God that is doing something inside of you than the flesh that you were born into by circumstance, by the flesh that you were born into, by my, no fault of your own, you were born, the flesh you were born with, but because of what Jesus did, because of no fault of your own, you were born that way, but because of the grace that God did for you, that because of no fault of your own, and because of nothing that you did, lest you should boast, but that you can access the identity through Jesus because of what Christ did on the cross. Be an imitator of God. Look like your dad. That's it. Some people, we'll look at our fathers and we go, I'm this way because of what my dad did. I'm this way because of what my mom did. I didn't have parents, so this is why I'm, I'm not a great parent. I didn't have this, so this is why I'm like this. I didn't have that, that's why I'm like that. Listen, that's gonna be your testimony one day. I'm not taking that away from you. But what I will say is that you should be identifying more about the thing that was birthed inside of you than how you were birthed from the people around you. And when you start to do that, you're gonna identify more with God, your Father, you're gonna start identifying more with the spirit that lives inside of you than the thing that you came from. And you know what happens when you identify? It's, you identify with different genetics, you start to look differently, and that is why people will come up to you and say, how come you looked differently last time I saw you? How come you acted differently? And the answer is, because I used to look like the first Adam, but Jesus was, made me a new creation, and now I look like the second Adam, and you can too, hallelujah. I'm gonna close, this is why I did the announcements at the beginning, because I wanna pray for you. We're gonna have some people up here to pray. I'm not gonna do a full altar call. What I'd like to do is, if you can say to yourself, I do not identify with a spirit that's inside of me. I can tell you right now, this is an empty temple. I keep asking myself, why does this temple look this way? Because there's nothing in it. The lights might be on, but there's nobody home, okay? Listen, I'm telling you, sir, ma'am, 
If you can say to yourself, I don't know if God's spirit is inside of me. I don't know if I've ever asked Jesus to come into my life. I don't know if I've ever asked him. I don't know if I've ever been able to identify with the spirit of God because all I ever do is identify with where I came from. I want you to come up here. We're gonna have people here to pray with you, okay? Because I'm telling you right now, the major issues that we have is a tainted identity because we're not aware of the blood that flows through our veins, And the blood that was intended to flow through your veins is not the blood of the flesh, but it was the blood of the spirit. That is why when we say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood, what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church. Thank you for this people. I thank you that you sent your son those 2,000 years ago to live a perfect life, to walk along us, to long, walk among us, to walk beside us, to walk with us, to be born from a woman and to be born from your spirit. Lord, to, that, that he came into this world, he lived a perfect life, he died and he was raised again that the spirit might be able to live in us, that we might identify with Jesus, both in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that we might have come from the first Adam, Lord, but you've made a way that we can identify through your son Jesus, the second Adam, that we are no longer a bloodline of sinners, but we're not a bloodline of the lost, we're not a bloodline of the forsaken, but we are a royal bloodline, that we are a chosen priesthood, that we have been sanctified, we have been set apart, that we are your children, destined to rule and reign with you. In this next lifetime, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this church. We ask that your spirit would move through us. May we look more like you on a daily basis. May the temple look more like the spirit as we go through our life, Lord. Help us to look like you. Remind us of where we came from. Not from where we were born into, not where we were born, but your family that we were born into. We're not fostered, we're not squatters, and we're not adopted, but we are born that your blood runs through our veins, that we have the DNA and the genetics of a royal and righteous, royal righteousness, Lord, and that this earthly body may cause us problems, but it is the spirit inside of us which is our true identity, which will live forever. We thank you that we have abundance and no lack in every area of our life, that you help us to fulfill our destiny in this lifetime. And God, if there are people in here that need prayer, if there are people in here that need your spirit, if there are people in here who still identify with the flesh, I ask that you would move in their heart, that you would inspire them and motivate them to come up and pray with someone and talk with someone, that they might know you and that they might be welcomed into the family of believers, that they might be able to walk into their true identity and that the things of yesterday are just a testimony of what happens when Jesus comes in to their life. And everybody said, amen. amen. God loves you and so do we. Have an awesome Sunday. Welcome to the After Nine Show. I'm Pastor Brian. And I'm Pastor Karen. And what a message. Wow. Wow. You know, it, and uh, I, I was kind of contemplating how this might look and what to say and what uh, he might say. And, you know, man, he hit so many things I couldn't have even imagined. Although you had some insight, even as we were driving in today about the spirit. Maybe you could go into a little bit about that. Well, I was reading. First, I've got to say that he talked about being a new creation when you're born again. Yes, he did. And new creation, so you know what that means, never existed before. Yeah. I mean, brand new. When the Spirit comes in, when we accept Jesus into our heart and the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us, and I mean, that's the Holy Spirit with a capital S, right? When you see capital S in the Word, take note that is speaking of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came and lived in me, that meant I was brand new, brand not new. a version of my former self healed, not my former self at all. So I don't relate to the testimony when I'm a brand new creation. So if I used drugs in the past, past drugs, and alcohol, well, that's not who I am now. Yeah. But yes, my testimony is good for those in the world to say, hey, 
God did this for me, God will do it for you. Like, it's just amazing. Wow, did, did you just hit on something there, too? And, you know, in 1993, I went through a program for drugs and alcohol, but Amen. I carried the stigmatism of an uh, addict or an alcoholic. Right, right. Uh, but right. in 2004, when I accepted Jesus into my heart, I was no longer that addict. And, you know, when I think of my lifestyle right. today compared to then, like, that is so far in my past, I don't even think about that Brian any longer right? right so that's that right. new creation and right and too many times like I think what he said was um, you know we we identify with being repaired rather being new and man did that ever hit home for me we are not being repaired we are a new creation and you know all that stuff in the past it's in the past but yet many of us are trying to drag it along with us at times and that's that's the other thing when the, when the devil comes in, he doesn't criticize what we're doing today. He criticizes what we messed up in the past. And uh, he tries to make that accusation to us that we're still that person, right? And that's, that's how we buy into that false identity. Yeah, that, that just, I'm still thinking, I'm a new creation. I mean, yeah, I knew I was a new creation. But now I know that all things are made new. All things. Everything. Yes. It's like so brand new. You didn't exist before. Like I went out and bought a new lamp. It's a brand new lamp in the room. It's never existed before. Never been there before. Brand new. And today we have a special guest with Speaking us. Speaking of a new creation, <laughs> Pastor Luke LaBeouf, come on in. He's come our guest. Uh, Stand between us. Oh. By the way, did anybody tell you you're a blessing today? You're the man. There Amen. I am, eh? Okay. Amen. Sometimes I come to church just to hear that. <laughs> because I know you'll tell me. <laughs> we need to hear that. Amen. We all need to hear that. We need to hear We're that. just kind of talking about this message and man, oh man, like there's like I felt like I was didn't drinking a from a fire job? hydrant or what? Like I'm telling you, he opened up some things there, didn't he? It's really the simplicity of salvation. Yes. Amen. Amen. And when you encounter the living God. He, and how he brought out the royalty part, like, uh, in that identity of royalty, I just kind of wrote down in my notes, can you imagine going to a king or queen and saying, hey, listen, I need you to take my trash out? It just wouldn't happen. You know, I think you would get a pretty... Uh, yet we carry our trash around with us I from the past and, and the baggages uh, of the past. Because we don't believe that we are who he says we are. Yes, yes there's some faulty belief systems because there, right? Yes. We're still walking in the first Adam. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it takes the renewing of our mind mm -hmm. to truly learn who we are in Christ. And that takes time at times. But I tell you, when I gave him the okay to come into my life, that miracle he was talking about, I experienced it. Amen. I, the Me spirit too. of God came to live in me. Yeah, me too, yeah. To the Amen. point that we worked in the shop. Yep. There was shop yeah. talk. <laughs> <laughs> and shop talk was, we we talked like we yep. walked. Yep, yep, yep. yep. But I tell you, the Holy yep. Spirit cleaned my speech up. Yep. And I would catch myself ready to say something. It's just like you'd grab my tongue and say, you can't say that. Amen. Because you're a new creation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And first yes. thing you know, I don't have issues with that anymore. Amen. And even Amen. in my, uh, you yes. know, that, yes. that reminds me of my first, one of my first experiences. Um, like I used to have quite a shop mouth myself. <laughs> Hard to believe, but... Um, what, one of the first things I noticed the day I walked in after just, just like the first day back at work after giving my heart to the Lord was that language was just repulsive. It was like fingers on a chalkboard to me. Exactly. And I'm going, what happened? You know, like I didn't quite understand what was really going on, but I knew that things I used to do were no longer appealing or uh, yeah. acceptable to me, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There, was, there was something too. He kept talking about the spirit. So when we're born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in our spirit, mm. right? The Holy Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. And something that the Lord was showing me was the fruit of the Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit uh, living in us. Fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
And when the Holy Spirit lives in us, those attributes we have towards ourselves as well. We can be gentle towards ourselves. Because can we really love and be gentle towards others if we're harsh with ourselves? So we need the fruit of the Spirit for ourselves as well. For sure. That's who we are. It's who we are. Yes, it's who we are. And yes. that's what we have to learn to emanate. Yeah. To walk out and to show people that kindness. Yes. yes. Which is interesting because one of the other points he talked about yes. was salvation is actually God's goodness. And um, many of us struggle, I think, uh, I know I did for one, that, you know, I wasn't worthy of that salvation. And, and the truth is, in and of my own words, I'm not. But because of my acceptance of Jesus, uh, I am. But when I accepted him into my heart, he poured out his goodness on me. He poured his love. And when I think of the term pouring, some of us are like bottom feeders in our mentality. If you get what I'm saying, yep. like we think sure. we're getting the scraps or that God doesn't have enough for us or he or, forgot, or he forgot yeah. us. Yes. But yeah. when I think yeah. of that term pouring, mm -hmm. like that is like a flood being like so much more than what we could possibly absorb or even hold on to in our own nature. Pouring. Any thoughts on that? Pouring. That's good. Pouring. He does pour out, pours out his spirit. Yeah. You know what That's blessed good. me? And this message, I'd he like started, to hear. He started talking about the glory of God. Yes. We often play, Lord, yes. Lord, fill this place with your glory. glory. And <laughs> yeah. I learned today that he does so by his goodness. Yes. Goodness. And, yes. uh, you know, I was so blessed yesterday because God showed me his goodness. You know Amen. how he did that? How? I'm sure you're going to tell me. How? I lost a best friend, a oh. neighbor that passed away yesterday. Oh. I went oh. over to say goodbye before he did. And I come back home yesterday morning, and I seen that all the family were still there, so I didn't think he had gone yet. So I asked God. He's your servant. Mm -hmm. wow. He loved you. We used to spend hours here talking about you. Please have mercy on him and take him home. That was, I started praying at 8 o'clock. Half an hour later, I get a text from his wife saying, he's gone to get his new lungs and he, he, he left us at 8 08. Wow. 808 is exactly the time wow. that I asked God to come and take oh, wow. him. Wow. And man, I had sh I still Whoa. get shivers. I'm getting them. <laughs> right now, <laughs> as you're telling God's the story. goodness. God's to goodness. Me. Yeah. You know, we often pray and ask God for miracles, but to me, he needed to go home. Yeah. Yeah, he in you know we we don't quite understand wow. the timing or wow. the reasons why, but we always wow. know that God's timing's perfect. And I'm telling you when wow. when I when I got her text that he had passed at 8.08. Humbling, isn't it? I says, God, you are so real. Yeah. You're so real. You reveal yourself to me every day in, in such a different way sometimes. And, and most people Ooh, wouldn't catch the, <laughs> the importance or the significance of that, right? Like it was a special touch just for you, and which is quite the opposite of the other guy. You know, and that's the other thing that he said is, he never accuses, the devil never accuses of the good things that we do or, or any things that we're doing today. It's always the past mess ups or, you know, the failures. He's always there to remind us that, you know, well, you did this in the past. But when we operate in the fullness of today, we're not looking in the past, are we? That's right. So that, that was pretty good for Here's me. Here's the goodness of God. She's yes. walking around with my baby. That's a great grandbaby. <laughs> my great grandbaby. Yeah. Wow, so isn't that precious? So and what is her, your great grandbaby's name? Rosie. Roy's, Rosie what? Royal. Royal. Rosie. So that's kind of interesting, Royal. isn't it? That's She's beautiful. She's from birth. There you go. She's born Absolutely, in Royal. That's She's precious. gonna be born. She won't have to go through the well. the trials and the stupidities of life that you yeah. and I went through getting here. God is good. <laughs> he is, I he is good. <laughs> Amen. 
Good message. So we're uh, we're just about ready to wrap up here. Any concluding thoughts uh, as we get ready to close out here? The glory of God is revealed to us every day through His goodness. Amen. You know, and coming back to my neighbor, he had lung cancer, and he was fighting for every breath. Mm -hmm. He was laboring towards the mm. end, and that made me revealed to me for the last month I've been waking up first thing in the morning thank you Lord for every breath that I wow. take things we take for granted wow. just on, on that story I just find that interesting because one of the things that he did yeah. bring in there is that God's not repairing he's giving us new brand new and the revelation that your neighbor had uh, that he that he spoke out to his wife was he's going to get his new lungs so he understood he had a revelation of newness and where he was going, and that he wasn't taking the old body with him. Yeah. We were expecting yeah. and believing God for new, two new lungs. But I says, either way, if he gets them here, he says, glory to God, I'll have a little bit more time. There you go. But if not, God's will be done. Amen. All right, Amen. well, we got we to gotta wrap Amen. this up. Amen. It's been an honor having you on, Pastor well, Luke. Thank you for your insight. And uh, Pastor Karen, um, Thank you for joining us on uh, the After 9 show. We have to go now, but tune in next week. Same time, same place, and we'll be happy to, to uh, speak some more about next week's message and what it really meant. Amen. God bless you God all. God bless. Bye.